Da 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 da. There it is. All right. Here we are. Are we live now? Oh, I always do this. So we are live. Hi, guys. Um, welcome back. Let me just make sure everybody's good. Uh, let us know in the comments if you have any audio issues. I think not. I think we're okay. Um, let me share this to the page. Hey, how are you guys doing? Welcome back to another Metalheads live stream. Today, um, we, we are joined with, you know, <laughs> another Jerry substitute. So Jerry's, uh, Jerry's soul and spirit have been, have been placed into this lovely Native American totem. Um, unfortunately, he still needs his glasses, even though he has been uh, placed into an inanimate object. So, uh, but it's okay, because he, he's here, and I'm going to set him down on the table. Let's see here. Uh, today, we're talking about the band Incubus. So, if you are new, uh, this is a podcast where we discuss all kinds of things, music, and specifically what we do is every week we pick a band and or, or an artist and we uh, kind of dive into their history and then we discuss it and we also discuss it um, here on the stream with you guys so that you guys in the comments can jump in with your thoughts and your opinions and this week's band was Incubus. Scott Gossett has a, uh, a great fondness for Incubus he was the one who kind of took the lead on this week's artist. Uh, last time we we did one, it was the Eagles. The Eagles, and that was that was my favorite band. Um, again, we love to critique, and because you know some of the things that you love the most, you tend to critique the most. So <laughs> bear with us if we say things that you're mad about. Just let us know in the comments, but just know that um, it's all from a place of like respect. So. Um, so we already have some comments. What's up? What's up, Alexander? So I'll be trying to keep up with you guys in the comments, too. Uh, yeah. So without further ado, we're going to hop right into it with uh, with some discussion on Incubus. This is going to fall. <laughs> Everything is falling over. Yes. Everything is falling over. Yes. It's all right. Gosh, dang it. Including this thing. <laughs> well. It's staying like that today. What happened? Just this thing. Oh, our little <laughs> yep. our little guy fell. Incubus. Come join us. All right, sharing to my personal page. All right. All right, Scott Gossett, what do you have what do you have to say uh, about Incubus? How how did they get started? Um, before we get into how they got started, uh -oh. we're going to get into how I got started oh. with Incubus. Whoa. <laughs> Um, I think I would say that Incubus was the first band that inspired me to, to play guitar because I was trying to play bass in other bands and I heard Incubus and the way that Mike played was just so different than everybody else, just with all the effects. And it really translates into the things that I do now. Um, I, I didn't realize before how much the effects could change your sound and you could even play with just the effects themselves kind of like the edge from u2 if you play his guitar parts without the the effects they don't really even seem to make too much sense so it's actually pretty cool that mike kind of does that but in his own like newer more modern way yeah and i also when i heard incubus for the first time uh, like the having a dj like a DJ that has a band, you know, in a, a DJ that is in a band was kind of like kind of new back then, you know, like guys maybe like Linkin Park was doing the same thing, but Incubus was more like 311. Yeah. SA? Oh, no. Don't get us started on, on SA. So, so my thing with 311 is I actually think that, you know, and people may shit on me for this one. I actually think that they're pretty cool. Um, they're just another one of the bands from the nineties who I thought had their own sound and did their own thing. And people don't really do that anymore. But the thing I couldn't stand about Incubus <laughs> was the rapper. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he even called himself essay, but it yes. stood for space alien. Yeah. That's what it stands for. Oh man. That's, Can you believe that? Yeah. That's crazy. Why would you call yourself space alien? <laughs> 
I don't know. Well, the first DJ that was in Incubus, I think it was called DJ Life. Yeah. He was kind of kind of weird, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, falling back into the... All right, so baton. now we can get started on where they got started. Their band formed when they were like 15-year-old kids going to Calabasas High School. This already is suspect to me. Money, money. Yeah. It kind of feels like this is one of those things that were already pre-set up that they would be into stardom. Just because, you know, rich parents starting out early, somehow everything functioned and worked well. Um, they said that the first gig that they played was just like kind of like a high school party or bar yeah. mitzvah type of yeah. thing. Yeah. But the people paid them a thousand dollars to play their show, their backyard party. What? I know. When they were all like sixteen-year-old kids, and they're like, "It was our first paid gig, yay!" And we're like, "Oh." Bars don't pay people a thousand dollars today yeah. to play shows, but in the '90s, you know, with inflation, so think about how much that is now. Exactly. <laughs> they're getting Damn. paid a thousand dollars for a gig. It just and they, they didn't even have kids. a name back there. Like they just were like a group of friends so that were. Supposedly they did. Songs? They did have their name. Mm -hmm. At least they had their name. But yeah, you're right. Like it was just like, it was so precious having to listen to their interviews and and they're like, oh yeah, like our parents just drove us around and <laughs> did whatever we said and uh, played our little instruments and you know even when they were doing pay to play back then they're like we just had lots of friends. So selling of the tickets was like no Do you problem. Mean like reach friends. Exactly, you know. So I mean, like, I mean, hey, we're, we're gonna shit on it, right? Because we're jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what everybody thinks. Yeah. It's like, no, we just shit on things because that's just in our nature. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, like right now, I'm just making a hundred bucks playing at a bar, and I feel like I'm rich. Hell yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and also, we get gift certificates for said bars, so I think that's much better than a thousand bucks to exactly. play apartment and stuff. All right, so you guys were talking about how they got their name as well. Um, oh, no. Okay, never mind. I'm back. So you guys were talking oh. about how they got their name as well. It, apparently, they said that they thought that it was the Latin word for nightmare or it is the Latin word for nightmare. I'm not, I'm not really sure about that, but that's what I had read. But it's most definitely a, a creature, like a, yes. a mythological. It's the male version of a succubus. Right? Yes. That's what yeah. Wikipedia says. That's what Wikipedia says. <laughs> the most trusted source. So we love ourselves a male, a male succubus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I was looking for Incubus, like thinking about the band, and then yeah. all of you know, all of a sudden this like demon uh -huh. Incubus thing came Where's out. That, I was like, your screen? <laughs> Just Roy's search history? His dad's going to be like, what the crap? <laughs> Like, what is this, yeah, son? I was, I was scared and just, like, turned my computer off. So I was just like, okay, ran out of the mind. room crying. That's awesome. Sorry. So what was the point? <laughs> well, so to make matters worse, yeah. apparently uh, Mike, the guitar player, his mom, got him this book that was called The Joy of Sex. Yes. I remember and <laughs> she just the left joy. it in his room because I think she didn't want to have the sex talk with him. Yeah. So, <laughs> th and this book was, like, effectively, like, they explained it as the Western version of the Karm Karma Sutra. And what, so what they would do to make their band <laughs> flyers, you give your high school son that too. It's not like, oh, I don't want to have the talk. So here's this bizarre like sex manual. So that you can have 56 <laughs> different positions, son. Take your pick. I don't think Jerry approves. She was just trying to like avoid that talk, that conversation with him. It was just like, you know what? I think it's going to be easier this way. Yes. <laughs> so I'm going to do for my child. Exactly. So, so what they did was they would Xerox pictures from that book. And then make their band flyers for their shows, okay? <laughs> yeah. And then they would write Incubus on top of it. So <laughs> I don't think that they really realized at first, like, what the connotation was. But it was pretty funny. Yeah. They said that they even had people who would call them up because the phone number was on the flyer. and be like, <laughs> what are you doing putting this shit on my car? <laughs> like, super mad. And they're like, is this some kind of sex show? It's like, I, they showed up, like, angry, but they're still like, but I'm here for the sex show. Just like show. a 14-year-old band. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? That's... They probably thought it was going to be like a sex conven convention. Like, yeah. Oh, man, it's going to be something interesting <laughs> about that. But no, it was just a group of like kids. Kids trying try and... to sound like corn. Exactly. <laughs> well, so after they picked their name, they magically had a rise to stardom. Magic. Like almost immediately. Like instantly. Not pun intended. Oh, shit. Oh, no. 
Yeah, they rise they had, to stardom. They they had a rise to stardom almost <laughs> almost uh, initially, like like from the very beginning. So the, like they had an EP that was called Fungus and Mungus, okay. and I've listened to that. I don't. It's not my thing. Like it just. It is kind of all over the place. Back then, they were really into Faith No More and Mr. Bungle and bands like that. That's a bad thing yeah, to be it's just, into. It's not the thing. So they had said that they went on tour right like right after releasing Fungus Among Us, and they went to Europe, all over the U.S., and as, you know, 17, 18-year-old kids, where do they get the money to do this? This is, again, like another thing that just never really gets put into the lore, yeah. but somehow somehow existed. During the same time, Mike also worked at Interscope Records yeah, and was the, like the mentored by Jimmy Iovine, yeah. who is the guy who made beats like by Dr. Dre, with Dr. Dre, mm-hmm. and is like one of the world's biggest marketing geniuses. Like moguls you know what I mean? in the music industry. And so it's like, like I, I do think that they're good. That's what I don't want anybody to take wrong here. But it's like, it's kind of weird that like, it's almost like it was already set up for them. And it's not that like, it's for lack of talent, but it just, you don't really hear about like, you know, everybody, like people having that much help since like Taylor Swift, like Taylor Swift's parents put $2 million into making sure that she'd be famous. Like, I don't know how many people know that, but like, there's just a lot of weird stuff like that in Hollywood. Um, Like Slash, Slash's grandma used to have David Geffen from Geffen Records come over when he was a kid all the time just to hang out. And then people act like, oh, Guns N' Roses, like they just came up on the Hollywood streets yeah. doing drugs and like, and, all this, <laughs> you know what that, I mean? Like it was just so organic. It doesn't feel so organic. And yeah. that's kind of like a big talking point that we wanted to like throw into this discussion on this band is like this very, uh, very obviously completely fabricated notion in in music that these people just, oh, like they were just this struggling artist and then sh- they caught their big break. Like that's so not like that. And, and the funny thing is, is like being in this like industry for even the limited amount of time that I have been it's funny because you always hear like you know managers and people who are trying to work with you say like oh you need to know your story you know you need to have your story that you sell to people and that's like what the band is is about is the story and that's like the big like you know words and choice that they that they use and it's more or less like whatever it is like life is sloppy life is not very you know easily tied up into a bow but they really want it to be so that they could sell you as a commodity so a lot of the time like oh we just don't even care we're just like these rockers it's like that's so actually it's contrived con- yeah. you know completely fabricated and jerry wants to know where's mac and that's why i started laughing um mac uh was not the proxy we decided to go with today gerald even though <laughs> that's not your name <laughs> we decided to go with um this lovely this lovely token here because last time you came over that's where we kept your spirit yes yeah when and you he co- also can sing a song which goes <laughs> I wish you were here. <laughs> ah. Never mind. No, that's perfect. And that's the song this little spirit guy sings. So, yeah. Nice. But yeah, like kind of like Megan was saying before uh, we had to reintroduce Jerry, is that like one thing we like to do on these podcast things, too, is kind of like pull, like do the whole like wizard of Oz thing where you just lift the curtain so you could see what's behind it. Yeah. Like we've had a talk with multiple managers at different times. And every time you get like the same story and it's like always the same coaching thing that they tell you, you need to come up with your story. Like Megan said, it's not like anything you think about these people and you read in their bios, like, Oh, like Bruce Springsteen, like hardworking guy from New Jersey <laughs> comes up in a like a blue collar neighborhood, yada, yada, yada. I mean, yeah, yeah he could have did it like that way, but they actually kind of need you to make that story up so that they have something to sell. Like everything that it is about artists typically that you like, yeah. strangely, they usually are just something that they've fabricated. And we just, we can't stand that. So we just try to be as normal as possible mm-hmm. so that there isn't like all of that stupid marketing mystique behind it that you just like actually feel like you get to know us as people instead of whatever the stupid story we're supposed to tell you is. Oh yeah. Especially because like, I mean, it's, it was, (laughs) I, I don't know if this is surprising to you guys. It might not me. You'd be like, well, that makes sense. I don't know. But it was even as, (laughs) it was even so bad that we were told by, by someone else, uh, another, you know, 
manager type of industry person that we should stop uh saying that we're married like scott that's because megan was worried and i mean that she was worried that all the girls were gonna want me and then if they knew i was married to megan then exactly then that would ruin it it's like nobody definitely wasn't for the other way around at all nobody wants to know that you're married then you're not gonna be able to sell music if they know you're married it was the strangest thing that yeah like that was something that we were told to like lie about or or keep mysterious or i don't even know it's like as if you wouldn't be able to find that out like instantaneously like i said a lot of you guys are on my personal facebook page it's not like oh yeah i just like happen to live with my guitarist i don't know he doesn't leave i don't know so (laughs) just like whatever (laughs) we could take a quick segue real quick and just answer these questions because i think that we can all answer them pretty quick yeah we could start with roy roy you see the question real quick yeah, Dusty uh, Smith says, "Who are your some of your biggest influences?" Good question. Oh man, well, I don't know. That's a tough question. I mean, like in rock music, like general, like I don't know. I like pretty much Led Zeppelin. Like that's my favorite band. Um, like Guns N' Roses. I like. Uh, I don't know. Uh, David Bowie. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um. I don't know. What about you guys? Well, for me, uh, I think uh, a lot of the times people probably think like vocally. I don't know. I'm assuming. Anyway, so as far as songwriting goes, I, I really love the Eagles. They're, that's why we had a whole podcast on them. Uh, I love just all the the harmonies, the multiple parts, like the, the you know, actual just like beauty of the of the guitar that they that the parts that they write for the guitar you know i i love the melodies i like the storytelling um so from a songwriter's perspective i really like the eagles from like a vocalist perspective i mean this might be an obvious one but i i obviously i really adore pat benatar um she's you know amazing uh shania twain has been actually a huge you know vocal influence musical influence on me um it's it's really wide uh portis head is like a huge one for me too um, I try to weirdly pull from all kinds of stuff. Um, another another big one for me uh, is, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of all over the place. I, Celine Dion, I mean, that's kind of, you know, one of the biggest voices in the industry, like, ever. She'll kind of go down as an icon. So, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm all over the place. Baja, man. Yes. <laughs> Scott's only influence is Bahamut. <laughs> no, um, I can make it real short. I'm going to say Prince, John Prashanti from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, because the band itself, I am just kind of whatever about, but John Prashanti specifically, Van Halen, the Scorpions, and. Like, yeah. Oh, Pink Floyd. Oh, yeah, that's true. If you listen to the solos, you'll definitely. Especially, um, what, Stuck Solo? Yes, exactly, yeah. Yeah, the solo in our song Stuck, for sure, is very, you know, Pink Floyd-esque, but yeah. I like Dan Garcia's support. What did Dan say? He said, my shirt is gold. Yes! <laughs> Smashing pumpkins. Yeah, that's a good influence I'm wearing the shirt. Exactly. He probably hasn't realized how big my head is, like... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what? Like, look, like... I think the camera's my... closer to you. Yeah, just, I don't know. Just Get yeah, it's like twice your <laughs> twice your size is like I don't know. <laughs> I think it's because Scott's just leaning back and nobody wants to like be near me because oh, I have cooties point. or I smell or something. Oh, and there also, I have the beauty light on me. <laughs> what if I just talked the rest of the podcast like this, so you couldn't see me? Would this be frustrating, or would you like yes. this? Tell us in the comments. Anyway, continue with Incubus. We're still talking about Incubus, but thanks, okay. Dusty, for the question. So, after Fungus Among Us, they they were on their grand tour of the U.S. and Europe, and they recorded uh, another album that was called Enjoy Incubus. That again to me is kind of like along the lines of the Fungus Among Us stuff. It's just like kind of whatever before they started to really develop as songwriters. I, and that's another interesting thing that they said too yeah. when I was researching more was that they consider it a blessing and i and i agree that they were able to get a deal that was an artist developmental deal that they even admit doesn't really exist anymore so they got to grow as a band while they were already signed and tour and write and do all these things 
Um, well, they were opening. Cool. Well, they were opening yeah. up for. They're like, we got to develop as a band and figure our stuff out while we opened for Corn and what else? Like all the big yeah, ones. Yeah, the Corn. Limp- of a yeah, yes. yeah, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Limp Bizkit. Yeah. And you're like, oh, must be nice. <laughs> and I don't know if it's right, but it was like a seven album deal. Like they got to record seven albums with the same label. Probably. That's what I heard. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a long. That's a lot. Deal, yeah. Dude. Like, I feel deal. like that kind of sucks for them. You know what I mean? They even had to like get rid of one member, um, mm-hmm. like the what the bass player the and bassist. the DJ, right? They... No, DJ. I think the DJ is still there. The, the original DJ, though. The original. Oh, yeah. But they, at some point, they they changed the DJ and had another person. Yeah, that was right before Make Yourself. Yeah, I feel like those instruments, like same like uh, if you play like a harmonica, is like. Uh oh. You got to be really like in the back. Like you don't have to be like in your face all the time. Like, you know, just play a little bit something, scratchy thing, and that's it, you know? Well, one thing I actually heard that he did too was they're kind of like, I I wouldn't say the first because I guarantee like bands like Kiss or even like pop artists would have probably done this a long time ago, but would be like the first kind of backing track band because the DJ would actually throw background vocals. Right. Like things like that, yeah. You know yeah. What I mean? So like, if they needed background vocals, oh, he would sense. put them up like on his tables and then let those things play through for that part of the song. And... Yeah, one song that kind of like shines in like with all of this instrumentation and backing tracks and effects and stuff like that. I think it's called um, "Are You In?" Or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's man, that's my favorite song yeah, so far. That song is really sick. Yeah. All right, so. That brings us, because we kind of like touched on this in the, the middle of that. They got signed by Epic Records right before, hold on, I need to make sure I'm saying this. Right before the coronavirus yes. hit. Yes, right before the coronavirus <laughs> hit. Um, the first coronavirus, yeah. not the sequel. Yeah. Um, they got signed by Epic Records right before Science and then released Science. Wait, what did that say? Hmm? I had a line. Oh, oh yeah, I had yeah. a live DVD incubus of Incubus. I bet I watched it a million times. Oh, that's rad. Yeah. Highlight that one. But anyway. what, was it the Red Rocks one or was it prior to that, like science-ish time? Um, for, but yeah, but for science, they actually got to still keep going on tour and do that thing. Came back, recorded science. This is the first album that that I think they started to really get <laughs> good at songwriting. Um one thing I really, really liked about hearing this CD in the first place was even though there were bands like System of a Down and Korn that were making really, really heavy music, this stuff was still heavy. But strangely, they were, you know, really searching for their own sound because they had like weird jazzy chords where like a lot of the music sounded jazzy. And I, I don't really like it per se, but I really like like the effort, like an A for yeah. effort of trying to like, you know, do something outside the box that nobody else was really doing at the time. Like Mm -hmm. they were trying to find their own niche in heavy music. And I really, really appreciate that because nowadays I really don't think anybody does. I feel like that every single band I hear that comes out is just a knockoff of another band who was the first band to come up with that sound. Like I never hear bands now that really sound that different from any other band in their genre. So, you know, kudos, kudos to them. Even if like their effort didn't really work out the first time, at least they were going in the right direction. And that brings us to Make Yourself, which I, which was, was their breakout album. And I think that that was the first point where they were really able to find heavy music, but heavy music that wasn't so um, monotonous with the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, like, kind of go back on that point of the of the jazziness like it's really interesting if you guys listen to it and and think about you know jazz because i think that i don't know i could be assuming but i think when people think of a rock band they don't think oh jazz you know jazz music but there is there are a lot of jazz elements and i would actually encourage you guys to kind of go back and listen because i mean even down to the beats like i'm sure roy like you know i know you like said at a certain point like you kind of they lost you but like it's very jazz like you could just hear it you know it's very obvious and overt 
And they were, like you said, trying to do something different. And they were so young that I do applaud them for doing that. It never really resonated with me, but that was like, pers that's a personal thing. But I, yeah, like he said, but still trying to do, still trying to like sound like corn as well as like doing the jazzy stuff. Like it was, it's kind of hilarious in my opinion. But <laughs> Yeah. I always appreciate when a band or an artist like throws in like something more music musically mature, like like you said, yeah. jazzy chords or maybe like an odd time signature yeah, yeah. part that is like what? Like I've never thought it it would be it could fit in something like this, you know, an, an alternative rock band. But that's that's pretty cool. And um it's also like every member in the band had like at that time had to be like thinking out of the box, like yeah. okay, we've done this like this sound so far now we're looking forward to or we're like we want to sound this way because we want to like progress you know with the industry or something yeah. well what's interesting too is that they even had said in their interviews that they were not necessarily even like what was it they were saying that pretty much they had to develop their sound on the fly and it wasn't so much that they got to sit there and be like what do we want to sound like and like what kind of like do we want to change our sound they actually said that it wasn't like a conscious thing that in the very beginning like in these first couple albums that they just were told you have to make this album and they would just hear the songs we came up with and that it wasn't this like premeditated like thought out like oh now we're going to move into like doing more of this mm. it was just kind of what ended up happening organically at the time which i thought was interesting and very different from our experience because i feel like scott and i when we're writing are always very aware and very uh, conscious about what we're doing with our sound and being very careful, even down to like stripping down parts and rearranging parts because we feel like, Oh, it's a departure from what we feel like is the sound we want to purvey, you know, but you know, find that spot for ourselves. Sonically. She always tells me that all the guitar parts I come up with first are way too like eighties metal. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> And before that, it was way too, it was way too what I always called the chain, which was his old band. He was like, he had a very specific sound, which people is, don't have a frame of reference for that. I know, but I was about to say, which is kind of reminded me like a little too much of like Incubus slash 311. Mm -hmm. And I was like, nah, like you need to do better. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I live with. Yeah. But we're not married guys. So yeah, we're exactly. Just, we like, can't tell people that. We can't tell people according to some managers in, in the industry. But. Anyway. Oh, so, so yeah. somebody asked what our favorite song on Morning View were we I, there? I want to get to that. Okay, okay. So I was going to post that up when we get to Morning View, which is just like right in a second. Um, but yeah, Roy was talking about like, you know, reaching out and doing odd time signatures. Um, the song Make Yourself Off Make Yourself is actually really dope. Hmm. And they do a weird thing where I think it's the first measure the first measure is is in 4-4, four, four, and the second measure is in 7-8. Every single time they play the riff. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. so like they play play it straight first and then cut it short yeah. every single time, like like on the... Yeah, yeah, and even if it's like on 4-4 four, four time, um, like the song uh, Pardon Me, Yeah. it, it kind of feels like it's in a different time signature, but the... Like the way they play it, the riffs and and the rhythm and everything, there. That's why they they have a a, a unique sound, I think. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, that's very cool. Yeah, like in the song "Clean" on uh, "Make Yourself Too," I think it's in nine eight, like the whole song. Yeah. If I if I remember correctly, but then like you know, there's a lot of like the typical six eight stuff too. That's um, that is on uh, what's it called? Um, like the song I Miss You. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. Yeah, they do a lot of that That's too. That's awesome. So yeah, that I think that that album to me that album is definitely their their what I feel like is their pinnacle of creativity while still being able to be commercially viable cuz you know Which one again? Make yourself. Okay. Cuz everybody always, you know, always looks down on pop music, popular music and being able to be um, I guess accepted by everyone, even though I think that that's really what makes the best music, because if you can appeal to literally everyone, that means that you're really connecting with humanity. That doesn't mean like, oh, just because we like this type of music, we're going to like your music. Right. If you can make a song that 
almost everyone can like, then I really think you did your job because to me, music's more about connection than it is about just being like, oh yeah, like I'm either super hardcore or like, oh, right. like I'm too indie for that. Like all hipster, you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like the more like the complex your music is, like if you start like getting into time, uh, time signatures and jazzy chords and all of that, you're just like narrowing your audience to a specific uh, group of people like oh, yeah. could be musicians could be like someone who just like happen to like that kind of music it's not bad but it's not like it's not going to be as commercial or as uh radio friendly type of thing you know as a pop song would oh be. yeah and and don't get me wrong i'm also not saying i, I don't think you are i'm just like, yeah. speaking like out loud like don't get me wrong like i don't think that that there's a problem with that either it's more that I don't like the fact that it only goes one way. There's you could be cool like us and do this, yeah. but you can't be commercially viable or the commercially I viable see. people are like, no, I like everything. Do you yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I feel like you should be able to do your crazy weird time signature music if you just so choose. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or weird jazz or however you choose to want to do it. But this should also be equally acceptable as long as it seems like the artist actually has like a real intention as opposed to just being like, I want to get famous. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like yeah, yeah. like Jerry does. <laughs> Jerry, you just want fame. <laughs> I'm so jealous of him. <laughs> But any is that could that bring us to what our favorite song is? Or are we not? Well, we, we yeah, we can. That? Well, how's this? We will kind of uh, Quentin Tarantino this, and we'll start with our favorite song off Morning View, and then we'll discuss Morning View. Oh yeah, okay. So Dan Garcia asked what our favorite song off of Morning View was. So now that we're talking about Morning View, um, guys, do you have a have one off the top of your heads? Uh, I w I would say nice to know you. Yeah, just because it was like the most popular one, and I think there's a video for that song that was like always on on MTV, like back in 2005 or something. Like, yeah, that was the first song I I was just like listening and watching on TV. Uh, yeah, I like that song. What about you guys? I mean, the problem is <laughs> here's the problem. I don't like Incubus. <gasps> that's a spoiler okay. alert for the end spoiler alert so i don't really particularly care for any of them however i think that if i were to pick one um as obviously you know maybe cliche as that it, as it is i do really like you know nice to know you out of out of the album um what's hilarious is that there <laughs> We used to have a band member who really liked the song Mexico. And don't don't <laughs> speak of the unmentionable one. And and the thing is, is that because we had to cover it or we were going to try to cover it for this kind of like other project that we were doing, it never really panned out. But I had to listen to it enough times to where I was like, that was a, a decent one. Um, but my issue with Brandon Boyd is that I don't I don't really like his choices in like melody. He has a beautiful voice, and I appreciate that. And I, I just, I feel like he kind of has meandering melodies. And when he doesn't, the song, in my opinion, is succinct. Um, and, and actually is like, for example, Pardon Me. I feel like Pardon Me had a good flow and a good use of like, like thematic, you know, elements within his own melody construction. Uh, but in a lot of these other songs, they, he kind of just like, like I said before, like meanders in the key, which is like, oh, that's cute. But I, I like when things feel purposeful and not just like, I could do this. And I'm like, because that's how it comes across to me. Again, 100% opinion, my opinion, and for whatever that's worth. But that's kind of why it's hard for me to pick, like, even a song off of every album, let alone period, out of all of them. I like it. Um, since I am an Incubus fan, even though I talk shit on them because that's what we do. we talk shit on each other. So it's like yeah. only, we when we talk shit, it's like like kind of like to your brother. You know what I mean? We talk <laughs> shit because that's how we show that we really like each other. It, it's not talking shit. It's just like giving your opinion, like you're like you know constructive criticism. That's Ex what I call exactly. It. So so I would have to say if I had to pick an all time all time favorite. 
off of Morning View, it would probably have to be nice to know you as well. But honorable mentions are almost every one of them. Like, I'm fine with Wish You Were Here, even though it's like, you know, the typical stupid radio single. Um, I love 11 a.m. I think that that song's freaking killer. I like Mexico. I think that's killer. I extremely love Echo. I think that that song's really freaking cool. Um, and then, you know, Are You In is dope, like Roy was talking about earlier. Yeah, like, almost the entire CD is freaking killer. I mean, I feel the same way about Make Yourself, though. It's like those two, for me, are, like, really, like, the pinnacle of what they did. Right. Yeah, yeah. Do you see that Dan Garcia is coming? Yeah. Was excellent. Mexico. So Dan Garcia, Mexico is mine. Makes me want to do heroin on the moon with my cat. And I don't do drugs and I don't have a cat. <laughs> I want that like on a plaque in my in my <laughs> music. This is we call this the like music or like room. on a T-shirt, like like or, where you would buy one of those T-shirts to say, like, I'm with stupid. Exactly. <laughs> or like a bumper sticker. You know? yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. I want that to, to put on display in some capacity. So thank you. For I love that, it. Dan. Thank you for that. And thank you for the avocados. Yes. We, we have the I best. Froze them. We have the best supporters ever of the music because they send us booze and food. <laughs> <laughs> Before, love him. Yeah. Before we step away from Morning View, we have to talk about this. They got the coolest freaking setup paid for by the record label. And that was that they got to rent a huge house in Malibu to record the album. All paid for by the record label. And at this time, they're like 24. You know what I mean? Like, and just got to live in this house for months and just make music, like, pretty much for free. You know what I mean? To surf. And it's, like, so fucking cool. They have a documentary on that, too. Like, if you guys were able to check that out. I think it's actually on YouTube as well. Like, I think it's, it's like, funny and, you know, it'll it'll have some entertainment value. That's okay. But one story that I came across as well that pissed me off because there's always going to be something that pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be a metal no, conversation unless we were talking about what pisses us off. No. Like... So, you know, like like the, the preppy little Calabasas rich boys that they were, mm. Mike's telling the story. Who's Mike is a guitar player, if you guys don't know. Telling the story about how he was out surfing. Oh, I know that story. And he, he came back out of the water, he says, and he's going to, like, stop and get some food, and he accidentally runs into Zach De La Roca from Rage Against the Machine because they both just got out of the water from surfing, okay? And so, to me, it's just, like, their whole Rage Against the Machine thing, how they try to act, like, so political, mm -hmm. but then your lead singer, who's, like, all pissed off, is just like, I'm, but I'm just chilling, bro. I'm, like, surfing mm -hmm. in Malibu. Like, oh, I yeah. got this money. Like, mansion. I'm good. Exactly, yeah, and you're just like, Okay, so it's kind of hard to take you seriously. Down, they, down you're with so the cause. pissed off about the one percent too, while you're chilling in Malibu surfing. Right. So, right. Mm, yeah. Interesting, buddy. Okay. So yeah, apparently he went back to their little cutesy mansion, and they're like, "Oh, like, oh no, you brought the guy from Rage Against the Machine here. <laughs> What's this? Are we fired? I don't know. It was, <laughs> it was like the most not like listening to them like try to make like small talk is like." <laughs> We couldn't have our our wizard here from our band because he has explosive diarrhea. <laughs> what? No, that was exact. Yeah, those were like exact words from them, like in interviews we were watching. Um, you're like, wow, way to make the laziest joke. I was like, damn it. So, so yeah. Then then he was like, and then he just like was like, you're making music, the Rage Against the Machine guy. I'll just stay here and watch you make music. And I swear to God, like if anything ever happens in our time making music where I run into some freaking POS like that and they're like, <laughs> come back to my mansion, I will bring them back to my mansion and then I will bully them. They will all get bullied in the metal house. Do not, <laughs> do not come to the metal house with your pretentious shit unless you want to get cyber bullied i'm gonna i'm in the house i will get on instagram and i'll start bullying them yep. even though they're physically with me <laughs> well it's like and like just to you know chime into this one before i get too political um i i would like to say dan garcia that i don't mind that they're political i feel like everybody should be able to say whatever they want to say and that's super freaking cool i don't like when you don't practice what you preach it's like if you're trying to act like all these people like Che Guevara and stuff are so cool and you're way into communism, then why are you rich? Yeah. 
You know what I mean? You would think you would just get rid of all that, keep donating all the excess money that you didn't need yeah. to better causes, like things of that sort. Then it just it doesn't make sense to me. Like it just feels like it's disingenuous. Like they're oh, trying to reach an audience that it is not them, but they really want to appeal to them. Exactly. And that's the only thing I don't like about it. Like I said, I mean, I, I'll leave it at that because I'm not, this is not like a political podcast, not a political band thing. It's not really important. It just, I just really want people to practice what they preach and that's it. Exactly. So on to the next one. The next album after this, if you guys remember, is A Crow Left of the Murder. And <laughs> I know, well, yes, we have, a, we have something to talk about regarding that as well. But um, this album was the first album that they made with their new bass player. And they, the old bass player left just because they decided that there was too many people fighting with each other involving him. And they just didn't want to deal with him anymore. So he left and then they got Ben Kinney. Ben Kinney was actually the guitar player from The Roots. Mm -hmm. And what's weird about this whole collaboration, even though, strangely, I didn't really, it never really gelled with him being in the band, like as far as his parts go and stuff. Um, the song The Seed 2.0 by The Roots, if you guys have ever heard that, was actually the, like, one of the first songs that, like, you know, if, if Mike inspired me to write, The mm -hmm. Seed 2.0 inspired me to have a style. Like, this the j like there's the funky groove of like what he did and the riff was so basic but it just the dirtiness of that groove was just like man if i can make rock music that kind of grooves like this mm. i would just love that and in my other band i was trying to do that a little bit more i mean i don't feel like we're as funky you know what i mean like that's no, not really like yeah. necessarily our thing mm -hmm. but yeah like he appreciates I, it that was, sure. yeah exactly that was the first time I even wanted to write songs was after I heard that song, I was like, dude, I am, I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm just going to start writing all my own songs. I don't care if I don't have a band. <laughs> I'm just going to, maybe I'll play all the instruments. You know what I mean? doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, and that's what's <laughs> because it's called a, <laughs> because of its name, a crow left of the murder. Um, <laughs> we decided, so there's this awesome thing that this is a whole nother rabbit trail, but, uh, Ryan Adams, who is an artist that might be controversial to some of you because of his like, he's kind of a piece of shit right yeah, now. Yeah. His personal actions. We do not condone them, but if you like to listen to good music, he makes good music. Right. Uh, so what he did is he took Taylor Swift's 1989 album and completely redid it. Like he, he covered the entire album start to finish, but she was all trying to do an album that sounded very eighties esque and. 80s so pop. 80s pop. So he took it and made it sound like almost like a Bruce Springsteen 80s style. And, and like kind of like a mixture of Bruce Springsteen and U2. Yeah. And like and Brian Adams, actually. Yeah, yeah. And so it's excellent. Like he, he redoes some of the arrangements. I mean, it's not just a straight, straight across cover. It at doesn't all. sound anything like what the Taylor Swift songs. No. Sound like. So this was like we listened to this and we just thought that was genius what he did with that. And we always talk about how we're going to do something like that eventually. <laughs> so we said that in the car today, we said that we were going to I was <laughs> we because our, our EP is what's left of the lizard. So we were going to cover a crow left of the murder and call it a crow left <laughs> of the lizard. And I'm pretty sure we find that much funnier than anybody is ever going to find that. Um, but yeah, so if anybody wants to know my favorite song off of that one. It's probably just going to be the Megalomaniac song. I think it's I think it's a good one, um, but nobody asked. <laughs> also, Ben Ortiz says, fucking penguin. Ha ha. Oh, well, see, this is this in, is, they're trying to get me fired up. I was going to say, this is this is in regards. They're trying to get me fired this, up. This is why Dan brought it up, too. As much as we don't talk shit. I mean, as much as we do talk shit, this is why you don't talk shit on us, because if you do. We make references to you looking like the penguin from Batman Returns. Oh, yeah, because they're, they're probably mentioning that I cyberbullied somebody. First of all, <laughs> first of all, I, you know, I will never punch down, but I will punch down on an evil man that looks like the penguin. <laughs> I recently got very upset because I went to my first cornhole tournament, and I've never played cornhole except for once in front of my own house with my friend Stacy and Stefan and they taught me how and they're really good and I'm really bad so I only played it that one time in front of my house and then we went to a tournament the first round I blew it but then I started kicking ass Stacy and I were on a team and we started kicking ass and we won two games in a row and then the third game we were paired up with these total cheaters and there was cash prizes and so that's why they had incentive to cheat and I knew exactly how they cheated and I talked to Scott about it after and he said I think the guy cheated the exact same way against me and so I was really mad and I had 
had a couple gummy bear shots. So I went on Facebook <laughs> and I yelled about it on Facebook and I felt really bad about it after the fact because I still really like the place where we had the tournament. It's my favorite bar and grill and there's nothing wrong with them or the owner, but I was really mad at the jackass who cheated me out of my Cornhill win. And because it's on my private Facebook page and a couple of you guys um, are on that page, unfortunately, you have to see <laughs> all the crap I spew. And then apparently because it was like, I don't know, the, what somebody how I didn't know was really offended and said I sounded like Ellen DeGeneres or something. I don't even know what the, the, the freaking insult was. Anyway, that made me even madder because it was reminding me of the cornhole cheater in the first place. And so myself and my husband, I mean, my not husband, right? And Your fake husband. Yeah, my yes. fake husband. And a couple of you guys actually came to our defense and we all started cyberbullying this man. So... That's that story. <laughs> I'm a horrible person, guys. Well, I was going to say, Michael McKeon says, it's really time to let this go. Ha, ha, ha. And I appreciate him because I feel like Michael McKeon has kind of become our Jiminy Cricket. He has all the right answers. I'll never let it go. But we should get back to the music. Yes. Okay. So, back to A Crow Left in the Murder. Crow Left in the Lizard. Um, this, to me... <sighs> It's not, it's it's like if you guys heard the Red Hot Chili Peppers album they made right after John Prashanti left. And then they made an album that was called Getaway. Yeah. And I feel like that first album they made right after John Prashanti left is worse than the Getaway. Oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't know how you feel about it, but it was fine. It just kind of whatever. That's how I feel about A Crawl After the Murder because the next album is like Grenades mm -hmm. and that's the one where I feel like they got it right with the new bass player. Right. But there are standout songs on A Crow Left of the Murder to me. Like, I like the title track. I mean, not the title track, but the main first single, Megalomaniac. I actually really like the song Agoraphobia. Um, Six Sad Little World had a cool kind of groove and like the guitar stuff sounded cool like i like that i didn't really like the words or like how it was done yeah um talk shows on mute is the worst song i've ever heard <laughs> in my life <laughs> okay so the line that he's talking about and it's always so funny to me i don't know if you guys can relate but i always think it's really cute when i can tell that like <laughs> a singer thinks his line or his lyric or her his or her line or lyric is like super clever and you can like tell even in the way they deliver it they're like so excited that they like came up with this like cute little lyric and they're like <laughs> i'm so clever <laughs> and he says lights camera transaction and i'm just like you love that you came up with that brandon you love that you came up with that lyric and so that's what we're kind of talking yeah, about. so bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I can really comment on that, like, <laughs> on that album. He's because like, I quit the band. No, no, no. Because, like, um, I don't know if I said this already, but, like, I think I was just listening to Incubus, you know, for a cer certain amount of time. And then I kind of just, like, I don't know, lose internet interest. You know, and this album was released in 2004, so it's weird that I haven't heard it, but trust me, I will. Yeah, you're going to go back and do your homework. I guarantee yeah. you've heard the song Megalomaniac. Yeah, yeah, pr yeah pretty much. You, you yeah. just haven't listened to like, the rest of it is what you're saying. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's fine. I mean, it's, I don't know. What do you guys, I mean, <laughs> we listen to all of them, and I, I don't know. It all kind of bleeds together after a while. I just want to ask you scott like since you like the the album did you notice anything different like like songwriting it's funny you should ask that oh. <laughs> here we go um is that cheers and he said just so that he's late yeah, yeah. so jeffrey I don't know if you're asking this for a specific reason, like like as if you're baiting me into something. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> it's a trick. But no, what's what's crazy is is that this is the first album where Mike actually changed everything about his guitar sound. Mm. Oh, like yeah, that's he, right. he got all new guitars, all new amps, and like it was a hundred percent different than everything he did after that, um, or, or did before that. Sorry, 
before he was playing PRS guitars, like big humbucker guitars, and then Mesa amps, like for like super heavy gain. And he ditched all that stuff for like single coil jazz masters and like a thin line telly, I think. And then just like fender amps. Mm. Like, so everything was a lot brighter. It wasn't as heavy, like from here on out. For, yeah. So from that point, he just got new shit. And then they never were the old Incubus ever again. Oh, I see. So they really just like changed this king from like alternative new metal type of thing sound. Yeah, they're trying to just be like kind of like an indie kind of thing all on their own. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. Because oh, even if you think about the, the distortion on, like, the Megalomaniac song and stuff, it's definitely not, like, as, like, crushing. You know what I mean? It's not, like, the big, true, yeah. heavy, like, like how you'd picture, like, uh, like all those, you know, new metal bands back in, like, corn choruses. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? What I do like is the kind of, like, the theme of the album and even, like, the design of the cover, you know? It's just, like, so, I don't know, like southern you yeah. know like mexican <laughs> type of thing yeah yeah yeah. and even the songs are like titling spanish and stuff even. like the pistola song yeah yeah, yeah. um are they, are they or one of the guys that one of them jose jose the drummer jose? yeah yeah. he's from mexico yeah. okay they only have a one diversity quotient we have two and a half <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no the drummer is actually one of the best parts of that band like that guy freaking rips yeah definitely i've i've heard it like i've heard his style and it's just like do you want to know who his favorite drummer is uh let me guess coming from jose pasilla yep. uh, it's got to be like someone funky like someone like funky and if you're rock. gonna have a favorite it's a good one don't tell me it's john bonham no 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 yeah. that, would, that would be too obvious but like and it wouldn't really make sense for him he plays too tappy. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. I mean? um, oh, man. Oh, is That's it? a good one. Maybe, maybe, maybe Megan could get it. Is it Steely Dan's drummer? No. Oh, Steve Gadd? No. Jeff Jeff Procardo? No, but I'm going to tell you guys right now, and then you're going to go, God damn it. And the best part is, is I was going to say Andy Summers, and that would make me an idiot, because <laughs> that's the guitar player of this band. <laughs> it's Stuart it? Copeland. Steve, um, oh, from, from the police. police. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That makes, that, yeah. That makes all the sense, actually. Yeah. I was hoping it was, <laughs> I was hoping it was what's his face, the the Blink One Eighty Two guy. Oh, Travis. Travis Barker. Yeah. I, was like, I, I was hoping it was Animal from the Muppets. That that would have been much better. Roy, anytime anybody asks you ever who you, who your biggest drummer influences, you have to say Animal from the Muppets. If you don't, I'm going to say it for you. Like, Let me answer this question for Roy. That's so cool. So Stephen Copeland. Yeah. Nice. Makes sense. Yeah, it's great. That's yeah, awesome. no, the, yeah, police drummer is a freaking killer. Cool. Sweet. Well, then we will move on to light grenades. Um, and then nothing else. Well, yes, exactly. So, but our hour is almost up. This this album is them getting their new bass players sound right. I think that the first one they were kind of like trying to get the groove and light grenades. Even though it's not the same style of Incubus that I had originally, you know, kind of really dug and fell in love with, um, they have a lot of good songs. And I actually think as like, you know, lame and sappy as it is, that Dig is one of the That's true. best written songs in the past 20 years, especially from a production standpoint. It's nice. Because, it's a good one. Because the... The chorus gets louder, like, you know, like the whole typical Nirvana thing, but it doesn't do, like, distortion. And Mike does all these cascading delay type of stuff to where it's almost like he was doing a, uh, like, what is the, what is the word I'm looking for here? Like a like a score, as opposed to, like, just making a like rock song. Like you said, it was song. very orchestral. Was yeah, like but, the way but with you... all guitars. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So it was, like, it was just a really interesting way to put a song together, like, just adding all these instruments and layers to the chorus to make it bigger without just making it louder. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So. Man, that's awesome. Like, th just, just the fact that you, like, capture the creativity you know and and all of that that he did in that song is just amazing you know like not too many people notice that and that that's really cool that that you liked it and I, you know i think it's i think it's actually a pretty good um you know as far as like the telling the story kind of goes i like it i like the message that they're that he's you know singing about and he does a good job and yeah even me, the lyrics like yeah. it was like one of the songs well that was done like, Very that well they done. totally got right 
Yeah. And it didn't feel too self-indulgent, which I feel like sometimes he can be. But, I mean, that's every artist, right? And, again, totally my opinion. I probably sound self-indulgent to people, so I should just shut up. <laughs> and I should do, be a little bit more like Jerry here. And just listen. Yeah. We're going to fly away. There he goes. Um, the single, the first single off of it was uh, Anna Molly. That I don't know if anybody picked up on this, but he was supposed to be making a play on words for Anomaly. Yeah. About, hmm. yeah, um, it's a, about a girl, but he called her Anna Molly because she was an anomaly. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, <laughs> like, I just passed away right now from natural, <laughs> natural causes. <laughs> but what I think is really funny about that song, too, is the first time I heard it, I fucking hated it. And I thought, <laughs> and no, and I thought it was garbage. And I listened to it four more times, and I was like, this might be the best song of they Four more times. Yeah, because I just, you know, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't being nuts. Mm. So, yeah, I listened I to it like four more times, and I was like, wait a minute, this is actually really, really good. And I think the reason why I hated it was, you know, just the whole idea of when you're used to something and used to what they sound like, and it sounded so different in tone and production and everything. I was like, but this just sounds cheap and like garbage. It was just like, it's not good. But when I started listening to it and listening to like, like actually what was being played and like the lyrics and like, just like the way he sung his melody and stuff, I was like, fuck, like this is actually, this is actually like really fucking good. Were they using like this, like happy chorus that was kind of like in the chorus, like kind of like, uh, that's too safe, you know, like, that's not even them. Like, yeah. that's not their yeah. sound. But, yeah, it's a good song. And I think this was the song that many radio stations were, like, not buying it because they were, like, the same way, feeling the same way. And they, I think they did a couple of acoustic shows for those radio stations who, like, that eventually ended up picking up the song and just, like, releasing it on, on radio. Yeah. Very cool. Megan has nothing to say because she doesn't like any of these songs. I don't. She doesn't like even the band. I don't like the band. But I had a lot to say. I spoke a little too much. You did. Besides, after Light Grenades, it all goes down. It all goes downhill. That's a fact. Um, I talked about we, how I like Dig. We are getting closer to wrapping this up because she's so right. Um, there's Monuments and Melodies, which is just kind of like a... Like a what, a compilation disc of like other songs and demo-y things mm -hmm. and all that. And Be then that like rare, yeah. rarities and B-sides or whatever. Yes. And then they have that album eight, which is the newest one. And I couldn't, I honestly, I couldn't find anything I liked on that. There was an, another one with, it was, had that promises, promises song. Remember we were listening oh, to that earlier. Yes. I don't even remember the name of that album. Uh, I don't know. I, I hate, I don't really like to, to say something's, bad if that makes sense just because because bad you when we say something is bad it's like the instrumentation is not played correctly like as far as when you're saying like bad like that like it's just yeah. not even well done and and it might just be that i haven't given it enough of a chance but i think that the the problem with the idea of giving it enough of a chance is there's so many artists out there that you know they, they release a single or something and like it hits but i mean we all obviously know that that's all marketing and money but i mean like if something doesn't stick out to you at first it's like there's there's usually a reason i mean there i can be proven wrong a million times because i think that like even with like bruce springsteen i didn't want to like him at first and i realized like pfft, like god like i actually i i sadly love bruce springsteen more than like so many things and people make fun of me about that all the time but like well the thing i think i don't know if this is where you're going with it and like you said we're, we're kind of wrapping this up because the the later albums to us just kind of were not a good representation of kind of what the whole point was for them i think that and I feel like they even kind of said that, that they, they more or less did what they did when they were younger. And then at a certain point, I feel like they just kind of kept going because they could and not necessarily because they had something that they were trying to do. For example, even in the, um, the like you said, the recent the recent album that you played like a couple songs from, it's like in 2017. Yeah, that's the one that's called Eight. The production on that literally sounds 100% different, even down to where they put the vo the level of the vocals compared to the guitars. Like if you listen to like Pardon Me, for example. Yeah, like it actually sounds like 
pop m- now music. Everything is so forward and center, you know. And no, e- for the vocals is what you're saying, right? No, um, let me finish. Sorry. <laughs> so the whole entire thing is is very like you know in the center. The the vocals are on in this almost in the same you know level as like the lead guitars. Everything really feels like it's kind of in its own uh, on its own level like nothing really stands out everything's kind of you know blanketly across the board and very in your face and then you get to you know this eight album this recent one and you can hear i mean his his vocal is so poppy sounding even in the mix of it and it's so forward in the mix that it it genuinely kind of sounds like an ed sheerhan like Mm -hmm. mixing job you know production wise right mm-hmm. like the guitars that they normally have like super crazy distorted like mid-rangey sounding guitars it's like it's still like a little bit like that but way way pulled back like way pulled back and it sounds so strange and it and like and then he he's even vocally trying to do kind of this like softer like in your feels thing but not in a way that even dig sounded or i'm like that miss you song like it it sounds weird like it almost sounds like invasion of the body snatchers like he's not him anymore hmm. and i feel like that was because like it was kind of a he was going on tour with a bunch of like other people that were like so different musically than him and i think that maybe they were trying to almost cater to that i don't know it lost me but, oh, I don't know. I was just trying to read what he was saying. Yeah, but anyway. Yeah, it's just like they they don't even sound like them, like Incubus anymore. And they also released a, a later Psy-B album EP to, uh, in this year. And it's basically the same, like you said, Megan. It's just like, okay, here comes another song that is not... Mm-hmm. you know relevant to the album or a hit you know or something like that and i wonder if that's just like ha- if that happens to like every pretty much every band you know like we were discussing about the killers and they had a sound in the beginning and then they got famous blah 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 and then all of a sudden just they just disappear like the sound is not there anymore and sadly i think for incubus happened the same thing so. yeah yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, does that kind of bring us to the point of does Incubus rock? I mean, I, I think, think so. I think the fact that the computer just hit ten percent oh, really, yeah. really brings us to the point of where does Incubus rock? Yeah. So at the end of every podcast, what we do is have we had this wonderful musical discussion with <laughs> philosophical overtones, and I got to talk about cyberbullying and how. I cyberbully people. <laughs> and <laughs> now we're at the point in the podcast where we go around the table or couch and we decide for each of us, does that particular artist or band of the week rock? And kind of a short summation of why. So since we're on 10% battery, Scott picked this band so he'll be last. I'll let uh, Roy take the floor. Does Incubus rock? I'll do it just sweet and short. <laughs> um Scott said, like, the rule is if you like at least five songs of the about the band or if the band, then the, the band technically rocks. And I think that's the case in this, you know, with Incubus. They're, they have more than, I like more than five songs. And I particularly don't say I'm a big fan. Uh, they, of course, they have influenced me, you know, with my drumming and, and all of that. But it's it's okay i'm just like listening to a couple of songs the popular ones you know and i just kind of live my life like move, move yeah on i was gonna say maybe it doesn't like resonate with you there's some music that you connect with and like right. it means something yeah yeah you might like to listen to it but it's kind of like just like you would listen to like a pop song exactly like i don't know if i'm in the mood for it like I don't know, I'm doing a workout, and then I just, like, listen to part of me, and then I'm just going to, you know, break in the sweat and all of that. So, yeah, I mean, they rock. Incubus rock, for sure. All right. Um, Jerry's spirit that has been uh, transfixed into this wonderful totem, uh, you'll never know because he uh, whispers into my ear, and I'm not going to tell you what he said. But as Megan Rice, I will go ahead and say, does Incubus play music that people enjoy? Absolutely. Does Incubus do stuff that at least did stuff that was new and creative and fun? Sure. 
does Megan like an incubus? No. So Megan says, according to Megan, that incubus does not rock. However, that's just my opinion, and I'm an idiot. Scott I, I don't know about idiot, but um, yeah, like kind of like along the same lines as what Roy said. I do <laughs> and think. Not what Megan well, I, I mean, I like them, so I can't agree with you. I know. You. <laughs> I'm just saying, don't ever listen to me. Um, wait, what did he? Oh, sorry. Okay. Oh, Jerry says, spoiler alert, they rock. So he ruined oh, it for everyone. Dude, what? Oh, <laughs> Jerry. I, I, trust me. I, w- I would have thought, like, Jerry would say it. Would say, you know, like these guys don't rock. So <laughs> I want to, I want to know why um, he thinks they rock. Well, we only on, we're on like six percent. Okay. So. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So yes, um, like kind of like Roy said, he's right. They have never really made anything that I felt like I connected with, as far as like you know emotionally. If we're gonna get into that, like I've never been like, oh man, this song means so much to me. Like I said, maybe the Dig song is pretty good, and I kind of feel like that, but overall, they're just. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like very creative, very influential to me as far as my guitar playing goes. Um, I, yeah, I probably wouldn't even come up with anywhere near the same stuff. Yeah. If I had never listened to them, but their music in and of itself is, is, I would never say disposable, but it's, yes, I'll, I'll just say that, that, that they rock. It just, it's and on hard, that note, it, yeah, right. It's just hard when it's a hard when like you can't like think about songs that mean something to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's that's all. But like they do write good, well structured songs. That's what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. And on that note, Dan Garcia says, "Gummy bear shots for all." I agree. I like that. If you don't know Hell what that, yeah. if you don't know what that's referencing, go back into the earlier part of the podcast and <laughs> you will know. Thank you guys for joining us again for an awesome podcast. We're metal, M-E-T-T-L-E. It's on their banner right here. Uh, go listen to our music. Uh, follow us on our social medias. Be my friend on Facebook and watch me uh, cyberbully people. Thank you for watching, listening, and participating. And we'll see you in two weeks for a full band live stream. Right on. See ya. <laughs>